on mypodcasthouse.com, you're listening to On The Grid with Tony Shebeki. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com. Thank you for joining us today, really do appreciate your time. Big show coming up. Richard Crowell to join us very shortly. We're going to talk about the 2019 V8 Supercar Calendar, or VA, I should say, Virgin Australia Supercar Calendar. Some real big surprises in that. It was announced uh, last week. We'll also talk to Crowell about the upcoming final round of the Pertec Endurance Cup at the Gold Coast, the Gold Coast 600 this weekend. Also, we're going to have a chat to Braxy about what's happening in the world of motorsport. The Australian Superbike season wrapped up for another year on the weekend. And boy, oh boy, was there some drama down at Phillip Island. And Steve Munro to join us to talk about Supercross. All that to come right here on The Grid. Time to kick it off by catching up with our old mate Crowley to talk about everything that's happening in the world of supercars and the like. Hello, Richard. Hello, Shebexter. Mate, uh, interesting uh, calendar coming out last week from Virgin Australia Supercars. Uh, I think we had a feeling that that was going to be... We, we've had a, a chat to a lot of people over the time at Bathurst, and I think together we put together what seemed to be a very similar calendar. Uh, yeah, a couple of surprises, though, there would have been for the punters. Yeah, well, you know, it was interesting, wasn't it? And the reaction was mind-blowing and a lot of it negative. And it was like we'd taken someone's firstborn out and mm. shot them because I just I, I couldn't believe the blow-up that, that social media had, especially at, at this calendar, because it's not that revolutionarily different from what we've had. No, correct. Um, the, the, the simple facts of the matter were that supercars had to drop around somewhere uh, and otherwise the teams were going to, A, revolt, or B, go broke, or a combination of the two. Yep. Um, so that, that that was very important that they, they lose a round. Um, and just the way the contracts work with the championship and the way deals are structured, you, the rounds that you thought might be in line to be dropped, and we're talking about the fact that they've, they've owned Sydney Motorsport Park for a year, um, couldn't be dropped. So Winton still had a contract remaining. Queensland Raceways contract remains for another year with uh, the Queensland government that's tied into their Gold Coast deal and their um, their Townsville deal. Um, and the Victorian government came to the party with Phillip Island. Um, so you went about to say no to arguably the most important state to the championship and certainly um, the most engaged fan base perhaps in the, the whole championship. So uh, so it was interesting, and, and you weren't going to run Sydney uh, in a weekend where the weather was going to be terrible. Um, so mm. there was no no position to move Sydney Motorsport Park earlier in the year uh, until this this mooted twenty twenty calendar, which which will start this full conversion to to running a summer series. So yeah, the the, the reaction actually surprised me. You never should be surprised with social media reaction, but I was, and yeah, um, yeah so. But that aside, um, I think it ticks a lot of boxes. The the back-to-backing of Simmons Plains and Phillip Island makes sense. So the right. Queensland teams asked for that. They requested that as part of the calendar so that they yep. don't have to go back and forth. And tough for friends. them as well, though. I mean, there's pros and cons yeah. with that. While it's going to be you know just a, a weekend or two weekends, basically, of travel for them, which is fantastic, yep. if they do have a big shunt at Simmons Plains, they're going to be struggling to do anything to that car before Phillip Island. 
Yeah, they are, but that, that's the nature of the beast. Um, often, if you have a big shunt in Perth and there's a round two weeks later, it True. can be difficult to get something else prepped. So, um, you know, that, that's the way it is. Um, you know, the bottom line is the teams make the decision to be based in wherever they're based on the, the full knowledge that it's a national championship and Australia is a bloody big country with a lot of distance to travel to get where you need to go. Yeah. So when you're the Victorian teams driving to, in the space of three months, you drive to Townsville, Ipswich, and then this week you drive to Surface Paradise, um, it's a big trip for those guys. So it, it swings and roundabouts, but it makes sense to back-to-back those two. So I don't mind that at all. That'll be a good trip. Um, you know, if, if the world aligns and you get to go to both, ideally you, you go to Simmons Plains, Spend a couple of days having a look around Tasmania, which is a fantastic part of the world. Lob back into Melbourne and go straight to Phillip Island. So, you know, if opportunity permits, that'd be that'd be brilliant. So, that I like. Um, the the other controversy I suppose we should discuss is uh, is the removal of the Sandown 500 from the the traditional Bathurst warm up location. So we go straight into the Enduros with uh, with the Bathurst 1000, and then. Move to Gold Coast and Sandown finishes yep. the uh, finishes the Enduro Cup. So I'm keen for your thoughts on that. Right. I've got a couple. Uh, I've always been an advocate for if we were going to have a summer series, let's start the year as they do in America with the Daytona 500 and start it with our biggest event. I've always wanted to start a calendar in September with the Bathurst 1000 and work from there, or sorry, September or October, and work yep. forward from there. So I have no problems with the Bathurst 1000 being the first Enduro race. It's and and once again, it all comes down to the calendar again. If because Bathurst has had to be put a week later, if that had been the case, then Gold Coast would have struggled in its normal position because it would have only been a week between Bathurst and Gold Coast, and then yeah. Pukekohe would have struggled. There would have been so many different permutations that weren't right for the calendar. So hence the reason why they've done a swap with Pukekohe and Sandown. It does yeah. mean, unfortunately, though, once again, we have a clash between supercars and MotoGP at Phillip Island, yeah, two massive I, events. I, I don't get that. I, I don't get people blowing up about that because... Well, I, I do if you're working on both. Well, yeah, I get that. and that, But there's a small... It's it's not like it's a clash between no, true. a supercar round and a super two round at a different spot where there are often mechanics that cross over between the two. So, and, and the permutation, and, and, and I think the talk is about that they'll try and finish the supercar race prior to yeah. the MotoGP race being run. And, and this got completely missed by ninety percent of the, the social media pack was that Sean Seymour was pretty clear about the fact that oh well we'll try and finish Gold Coast by four o'clock. Yeah. And I'd just like to throw out there that I'm more than happy to have an early minute on Sunday on the Gold Coast because well you need that Sunday extra night. time to get changed for Sunday night of course. Well exactly right. Yeah. Sunday nights on the Gold Coast often the best night of the year. Make so, up and uh, the like it's just a long it's a long yeah, period yeah. I understand. It's a big process, so you need as much time in front of the mirror as you can get, Shvex, um, when you're good-looking roosters like uh, us. Precisely. Um, so so I'm, I'm, I think that's brilliant, and what a great idea. And, and from a Fox, the, the number one thing that's been an issue with the Gold Coast is the television. It's not a, the, I, I reckon there would be maybe 1% of fans that would, if the Gold Coast wasn't on, would go to Phillip Island instead. Mm. And what there is definitely crossover between... Supercar fans and MotoGP fans, but I don't think that there's a significant amount of people that would do it. Yes, there's media people that would do it. I know you you would get work at both. I would love to go and do MotoGP one day, but my priorities lie in the, the supercar paddock. So, yes, yes, it's frustrating, but from a TV perspective, for Network 10 and for Fox, who cover both, 
the vital thing is making sure there's no TV clash. Yeah. And how cool to go, hey, Gorko's 500, if it turns out to be that. Um, don't forget, as soon as the checkered flag drops, we're heading to Phillip Island for the Australian MotoGP. Bang, bang, bang. Your audience carries over. It might give the bikes a rating boost or people tuning in for the bikes might catch the end of the supercars and go, hey, this is all right. Um, so I, I think there's win-win there. I still don't um, have I, I still don't have an issue with what the the sorry I, I still don't see what the problem was with Bathurst running on the Saturday, on the Sunday afternoon and the NRL final grand final running on the Sunday night of that same week having keeping Bathurst in the week that it was and having that double head oh, that would have been spectacular you can imagine the people at home back in Queensland and New South Wales watching a day of Bathurst and then all of a sudden bang onto the yeah. NRL grand final it would have been a spectacular but, day yeah possibly but I you risk there's a lot of risk involved in that because you're battling over the same kilometers. I don't know if you saw the telegraph in on Sydney uh in Sydney on Monday after one thousand. Yeah, it was on the front cover, it was on the back cover, uh it got massive spread on the inside, it made news, it was front. Um it was even on the front page of the bloody Australian, which yeah. blew my mind. Yeah. And and the the lounge story certainly helped. But I think if that was the if that was the NRL grand final weekend it wouldn't have been. Especially in the Sydney papers, and yeah. now it's not all about—it's not all about the Sydney papers, and it's a national sport, and there's more to it than that. The other thing is, I, I reckon Sandown, and, and going back to Sandown, I reckon Sandown crowds were down this year because it was preliminary final weekend. Yeah. You had two prelims at the G, which had ninety thousand people each, and two massive supporter bases for those clubs that were playing in the prelims for the AFL. Uh, and if you're a family and Times are tight, and you could spend two hundred bucks going to the footy, or you could spend two hundred bucks going to the racing, and your team's made a prelim. I reckon you'd probably go to the prelim. So, I, I think getting Sandown out of football week is vital. Mm. And while I've, I've always been a big proponent of going, no, you, you don't don't bend just because other sports get in the way. At the same time, in Melbourne, for crying out loud, the two biggest footy games of the year outside of the grand final. Um, Let's let's move sand down later. Run it in November. Weather's generally very pleasant, um, and make it make it something really meaningful in that it's the um, you know it'll be the finale of the Perth Enduro Cup. It'll still be retro round. It's got all these storylines around it now. Yeah, that that give it some significance. So no, yeah. no issue with it. No, no issue with it. Uh, you, you mentioned Craig Lowndes and Bathurst uh, uh, last weekend. What an amazing weekend we have. I must live in a very weird circle of friends who follow probably too much wrestling and storylines. And the amount of Doesn't surprise me the amount yeah. of the amount of talk that I've heard from people saying it was a setup. D- drivers do not get a cramp heading into the last few laps of a race ah. to allow a bloke who's in his final year of a full time drive to get up. Ah. And the amount of Hang on, hang on. That's just totally wrong. I've said over the last week has been amazing. Yeah, yeah. With, with all due respect to your mates. Uh, no, they're idiots. I, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they understand the, the physicality involved in hustling a supercar around Mount Panorama. You. you don't have to go and look at Scotty McLaughlin after that stint. Um, you know, in the press conference afterwards, and he was absolutely rooted. Yeah, Dave um, Reynolds the same. He was ap- Dave Reynolds was the most distraught I've ever yeah. seen Dave Reynolds. Yeah, that's no setup. That's no setup. Like you, that that was as, as physical a race as you get because it was flat out. It was so intense. 
and fast the whole way. And we spoke about this last week when we reviewed the race. Yeah. That they they were just punching out low sixes for the last 50 laps of the race. And it's never happened before. No, correct. So we've never had a race that fast at Mount Panorama. So, yeah, I, I, I was sitting at home on Sunday afternoon going, gee, I'd, I'd actually rather be back at Bathurst uh, <laughs> as nice as a weekend off is. I'd rather be back there watching that unfold again because it was one of the great, great weekends. And from the crowd to the spectacle to the the fairy tale storyline of the way that unfolded um, was just just outrageous. It was brilliant. Yeah, it certainly was. Which means we move to the final round of the uh, Pertec Endurance Cup this weekend. It is the Gold Coast 600, which is probably going to be the last Gold Coast 600, as the talks are. It's going to be the Gold Coast 500. As of next year, one race on a Sunday. Do, are you happy with the change of format for 2019? Yeah, I don't mind that, actually. Yeah. And, and I like, uh, Sean Seymour was quoted as saying, it's about some consistency and offering something similar for our, our fans. Well, and it's an endurance I, format, so let's have an endurance race. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two drivers, 500 k's, Sunday afternoon, started at 1 o'clock, finishes at 4, um, boom, go from there. And then the whole weekend builds up to that, Point. Correct. Um, the, the trick for mine, and, and I'll put my promoter's hat on, we'll be going, okay, well, what do we do on Saturday? What do we add to the program on Saturday to keep the fact that, you know, they'll, they'll get 60,000 there on Saturday this year, probably the same on Sunday. Um, what do we do to make sure that that Saturday attendance remains up? So, you know, whether that's, you know, there's been talk about uh, S5,000, coming in uh, and, and bringing Opal Wheelers back and maybe doing some international will, drivers with that. And if those S5000s do a, a proper race on the Saturday, there'll be tears because it'll be memories of IndyCar all over. Yeah, yeah. And and what you do, you find that, well, I mean, and it's backed by, the you know, Pace and Wilson Security Group. So you throw Jeez. some money at it and you put Scott Dixon in one and Will yeah, Power in the other. please. And you have a bit of an indie revival with a couple of you know this this region's best indie car drivers ever, and um, and that'd be a spectacle. So you have a have a forty lap race for those cars or whatever their fuel tank is on Saturday afternoon. That's your highlight Saturday. People go and watch that. I'd pay money to go oh, and see that. A yeah. Um, and then you have the five hundred k race on Sunday, and that'd be that'd be super super weekend. To yeah. Pardon me. Yeah. Mix that in with Carrera Cup finales oh. and all that sort of stuff. It'd be a great Back. weekend. Magic. So, yeah, I'm all for it. As for this weekend, uh, really looking forward to it. It, it, I, it remains one of my favourite weekends of the year because of that link to the good days of, of Indy. Um, and the last couple of years, I've felt that it's got its mojo back. And it's a terrific event, great crowd, um, fantastic racetrack, really tough racetrack um, that always puts on a great show. So I'm looking forward to it. Perfect Enduro Cup off the group. Wouldn't it be cool if Lounsey and Richo win that? And they're leading it at the moment. Yeah. So how good would it be if they take the Pertec Enduro Cup in CL, just to add to the fairy tale story? Um, championships as tight as it's ever been. Uh, will this be a circuit that suits the Fords? I don't know. Um, I think the the sand down pace of the Red Bulls might be a concern for, for Shell V-Power Racing because uh, that, that punch out of the slow corners those cars in particular were getting should suit their straight circuit vibe. But Scotty and Alex went well there last year, so uh, there's there's a lot of question marks over it, but I'm, I can't wait. I think it's going to be good fun. No, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, geez, we're some good stories about some uh, supercar drivers that are doing other things. We start off with Chas Mostert getting a class podium at the Petit Le Mans, a great effort by him. Yep, yep, GT, uh, GT, or LMGTE, BMW. So, 
Um, it's good that he's been able to foster that relationship with Bam. Drove for them at the um, 12 hour earlier this year in a GT3 car and got pole, obviously. Uh, he's been doing some GT3 stuff with them as well. So that's a cool storyline. Uh, Tim Slade and Nick Foster in action up in China in the final round of yep. Pan GT Asia, which is very, very cool. And those guys just missed out in the championship, unfortunately. But um, uh, I'm talking about Nick Foster, of course. But um, I actually bumped into Nick at Heathrow earlier this year. It was name-dropping, as you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, he's been, he's been really excited about his overseas racing this year, and he's been busier than he's ever been driving racing cars and coaching drivers and it's good to see these guys having a crack overseas in non-traditional overseas categories. Now, correct, Garth Tander uh, with Jeff Emery winning the uh, Hampton Downs 500 in yes, front of the media centre that we designed. We did, and holding, uh, handing Jeff Emery his second Australian GT championship, which is terrific for Jeffrey. Uh, and at the same time, Max Twig and Tony D'Alberto uh, grabbed third, and that won them the Australian Endurance Championship which is a big result for those guys. And well done to Maxi Twig and to uh, to Tony D, who's one of the nicest blokes in the sport. Um, actually, interestingly, we should mention this. What Tony's Bathurst podium finishing helmet from last year has been pinched. I know, that um, sucks. Yeah, so jump Shocking. on social media and on Tony's Facebook page, it's just at Tony Alberto, you can find that. And um, and please, if you, if you see a... Shell V Power Racing livery uh, helmet with Tony D'Alberto's name to suit a bloke who's about four foot five. Um, Fair chance please. it doesn't belong to Billy Bloggs who's selling it to you at the pub. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So uh, please get in touch with uh, with TD or get in touch with us and we can pass it on to Tony. And uh, Yeah, I'm sure he'd love to see that back. No, exactly. And Simona Di Silvestro getting a drive in the Daytona 24-hour next year in a sports car. Yeah, that's cool. And an all-female team, yeah. uh, which, is, which is good to see in a, a Honda... Oh, an Acura, as it would be in the States, uh, NSX GT3 car with Mike Shank Racing, so that's very cool. Um, good for Simona. Good to see her still uh, still in high demand in the States after her uh, her IndyCar career. Yeah, exactly. And uh, just finally, mate, before we let you go, uh, weren't surprised about the decision by the uh, uh, in regards to the stadium super trucks not being allowed on the Gold Coast this week? There's a Victorian uh, Supreme Court. I wasn't surprised about the decision, no. No, mm. I, I I saw that coming. Yeah, but uh, the the broader issue of what went on there probably warrants some discussion at some point because uh, I reckon it has ramifications for the rest of the sport down the road. Um, that if someone decides they want to get litigious about a super ute falling over, or back in the past we had mini challenge cars rolling into the crowd at Queensland Raceway. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it just it opens up a Pandora's box. I'm afraid and. Uh, I don't think the only people that have won out of this Chebex are the lawyers. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, the fact that we saw a wheel fly off a uh, a triple eight car at Bathurst, the fact that we saw a a, a gearbox or something, didn't we come out of an Aussie car or something? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and there was a tail shaft come out of a TCM car. Sorry, a tail shaft. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it hit hit the bridge. It came off so fast Mm. on Conrad. So it it opens up. I I feel like they've all opened themselves up to more of this, and that's Mm. the last thing we need. Um, because it's very easy to get litigious about motorsport in the first place. So that that's the last thing we need. I, I, that's And that's all I'll say about it for now, but I, I don't think there's any winners out of that outcome. Dinner on the Strip on Thursday. I'll see you there. Bring it on. Can't wait. Get the uh, get the boardies out. Yeah, looking forward to it. See you, Crosby. See you, mate. Richard Crowell talking all things supercars right here on The Grid. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. 
All right, time to catch up on everything that's happening in the world of two-wheel racing. No MotoGP this weekend, but gee whiz, plenty of stuff happening in the world of world superbikes and Australian superbikes, which are down at Phillip Island for their final round. And to do all that for us, we always catch up with our good mate, Mark Brax. Hello, Braxy. Good mate, how are you on this beautiful Monday morning? Gorgeous, gorgeous Monday morning. And what a great day to talk about some amazing things that have happened uh, in superbikes, as we said, not just here at Phillip Island, but also around the world. They had their first round in Argentina. We'll talk about Jonathan Ray shortly. But let's focus on what happened in the Australian Superbike Series. It was the last round. And what a way to finish for Troy Bayless. Uh, fair income, Brax. If you had said to Troy Bayless, he was going to finish three points off Wayne Maxwell in second for the championship <laughs> at the start of the year, he would have told you you're stupid. Yeah, exactly. He was aiming for a top five. He wanted to do well, but... Uh, finish it off in grand style by winning the final race of the year in, in uh, very, very dramatic circumstances. And it was fitting. The, the championship had already been decided the previous round at uh, Winton with Troy Herfoss taking his um, second ASBK title in three years. And it was the battle for second. And um, it was quite fitting that um, it was Wayne Maxwell that was in second. And as you said, just in front of Troy Bayless. Uh, and uh, Josh Waters, when they went into the medium, I think there was third, 11 and a half points difference yeah. between the trio. And um, it was quite fitting that in both races, those three were all over each other. Um, Herfoss didn't have a pretty substandard, well, very substandard uh, weekend as far as he was concerned. But um, those three at the front uh, battling out, and also Brian Starling on his Kawasaki getting up there as well and getting a podium uh, for the first time since Darwin. Um, on his Dunlop shop machine, most of the other runners in, on Pirelli's, that was a good result for him as well. But uh, the last race of the year was probably a good summary of what the year was all about. Um, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. And Josh Waters, he won the first race and he looked like he was uh, going to win the second race when he uh, got back in front of Troy Bayless with uh, just under a lap to go. And then uh, he, he crashed out, very un, very unusual and uh, for Josh Waters. Um, and it's, a, well, I suppose the pressure was on because uh, both him and Wayne Maxwell are going for that Team X-Star Suzuki ride for next year. And it was basically whoever got the better ride, from what I'd heard, that had the better weekend, was uh, in the mm. box seat to take that ride next year. And that looks like Wayne Maxwell. Well, that's interesting. That was an amazing... Uh, Bayless, I think, third into the first corner, Wayne Maxwell starring uh, Josh Waters all around him. And then, uh, yeah, just for Bayless to survive a, a huge moment on lap seven... and then oh, When he came out at Southern Loop and I think just nearly threw him over the bars. Um, yeah, that was yeah. pretty vivid. <sighs> yeah. And he had another couple of saves there. But then um, starring and Maxwell fighting it out and... Uh, Bayless was in third and he's gone into t uh, turn four, the hairpin there and um, they've been fighting amongst themselves, brake checking and he's just seen a gap in them on the inside and just swept straight through it into the lead and everybody just erupted it was like the mm -hmm. sight of the ages to see the old 49 year old and uh, and also um, broke the lap record in the first race wow. so he's put his, put his name in the history books a few times this year with the fastest laps around different parts of Australia so Plenty of life in the old boy yet, and when they get the new um, B4 Panigale next year, uh, they might have it for the first round. The co-owner of the team, Ben Henry, was telling me, but when they get that, I reckon he'll be right on the pace, and uh, I'd say that he will be a big contender for a championship next year. Yeah, I have no doubt about it. Of course, the Superbikes have a, uh, a non-championship round at the MotoGP in two weeks' time. The annual uh, Superbike dinner last night, the, the dinner of champions. Uh, how did that all go, Rexy? Um, 
quite sociable, pretending to Latricia Bix. Did you hear? <laughs> um, yeah, we um, had a good night, night of celebrations, a night of champions when everyone was presented with their awards and uh, medallions for the year. And, uh, yeah, some good results, some good things all around, you know, like young rookies coming through and getting some good results. And also the uh, the motor, the Super Sport 300 and the uh, R3 Cup for the production-based little tiddler machines for the youngsters. Um Brilliant racing all around there. We've certainly got some young stars coming through the our ranks that are. Uh, you won't be, you won't know their names at the moment, but in years to come, the names like Tommy Bramich and Hunter Ford, and for that matter, Ollie Bayless and Seth Crump, the sons of the champions, uh, they'll be making their name in the bigger classes next in the next few years as well. So the future of Australian uh, road racing is looking pretty good now. And hats off to everybody that's had a part of it. Yeah, fantastic stuff in the world superbikes, Braxy. Uh, number ten was the big number in Argentina. It was a ten out of ten for the yeah. circuit and ten races out of ten for Jonathan Ray. Yeah, another record for the uh, Northern Irishman. Um, he went in there on equal. He, Troy Bayless did it in 2006, eight consecutive wins on his way to the title. Uh, and uh, in front of him was Colin Edwards with, and uh, Carl Fogarty with nine successive wins. And uh, Johnny Ray, new track, um, just come out and blitzed him again. He made it half for himself in the second race. Um, we had a bit of a uh, bit of a moment on the first lap, which dropped him back. But, mate, he's... Uh, Mate, he just, no matter what you put in front of him, he manages to put it all together and uh, gets set up, gets everything, and, you know, 10 in a row. So another record for the four times champion. Yeah, certainly is. Uh, some amazing riding from him in 2009, well, in 2018, even 2017. He's just continued on pretty much from last year, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah, and it's um, like you'd, you'd think, um, you know, what well, I even get a bit, oh, you know, how long before he gets in the lead sort of thing. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen next year because next year they're bringing in three races for the weekend. Yeah, I was going to ask box. you about that. Yeah, so tell us about that new format that we'll see for the first time in 2019 at Phillip Island. Yeah, that's on the weekend. I think it's uh, 22nd to the 24th of February. Yep. Um, in the last couple of years, they've had they split the two races up that were traditionally the Sunday races, one on Saturday and one on Sunday. And I don't think that's gone down well with the fans and everything. So for next year, they're having one race on the Saturday, a sprint race on Sunday morning, and a longer race on the Sunday afternoon. And it's probably just more races for Johnny Ray to win to put into the record books. Hmm. Interesting. We'll see how that... So, how do you think yeah. the format will work? Um, well, I suppose it it's, can't, can't be bad. It's great for the spectators to see three races, particularly yeah. two, getting back to that traditional two on the Sunday. It's just the extra expense, I think, for the yeah. teams that might be scratching their heads and stuff because we know okay. motorsport's not, not cheap. No, and, true. Uh, giving them another race, another 20-lap race, has only added to the tyre bill and the, you know, the engine wear and tear and all the rest of it. And riders will probably go and put another zero on that. Thanks, mate, if I'm going to be doing another 12, 13 yeah. races for yes, you during the correct. year. Um, so, yeah, it's a double-edged sword, I think. But, you know, I don't think the, the split race has worked. Uh, having the race on the Saturday and the race on the Sunday. A lot of people can't get to the racetrack on a Saturday. They've got family commitments and stuff. And as you know, Shebex, Sunday is normally Dad's Day where they go yeah. and do their own thing. Um, and getting back to those two races on the Sunday, it'll boost the Sunday crowd. Whether it does anything for the overall weekend, crowd remains to be seen. But more racing on the Sunday, the better as far as I'm concerned. No, couldn't agree more. And uh, this week coming up, Braxy, we've got some uh, great MotoGP racing continuing yeah. before they come down to Phillip Island. At Motegi. Um, I was actually speaking to them. I was actually getting some messages yesterday from my uh, friends in the paddock going, they, they're looking at it on the live streaming, which uh, ASPK does now around the yeah. world. And they're going, 
at the weather. Look at the weather, Braxy, because it was the, probably <laughs> the best four days of weather that we've seen here. In, well, it's been going yeah. on for the best part of 10 days, the actual weather for the island. But everybody at the track was just going like, there was a little wind, basking sunshine. It was 30 degrees yesterday. Track temperature got over 50 degrees. Beautiful. Perfect for racing and everything. Very little wind, as I said. You could have uh, barefooted on the water at Bass Strait off the end of the circuit there. It was just yeah. glass smooth. It was just uh, idyllic. And uh, hopefully that'll be there in two weeks' time, but we know what Phillip Island's like. No, exactly but, right. You've just absolutely but, put a mozzle on it. Braxy, it'll be absolutely <laughs> crap. And <laughs> But before that, we've got Motegi, and uh, there's a chance that uh, Mark Marquette could take out another championship. He's 77 points in front at the moment. If he walks away there with a 100-point lead, which is pretty unlikely, the Bissioso's got to have the DNF, but, hey, what have we seen this year that no-one's going to go betting against anything these yeah, days? So, and it'll be interesting to see Yamaha. Uh, they seem to have found something at the previous round in Thailand when they went there, was whether they um, got lucky with the, the first time at the circuit, but it seems that they've found something with the Yamaha. Vignali's finishing on the podium for the first time in, well, probably um, well over a year's racing. Yeah. Um, Rossi finishing in fourth, so they've had a bit of a you know, a rejuvenation towards the end of the year. Um, will that continue in Motegi at the Honda Own Circuit? Um, I'm sure Yamaha would like that to happen, and they'll be working hard. Um, what can Lorenzo do? He'll ha- he's had those couple of weeks of um, lazing in the Thai sunshine to get over his uh, body being so battered and trying to get that back on deck. Uh, can Divisioso start giving Marquette a bit of a hurry up and force him into a mistake to make sure this championship goes right to the wire. There's so many scenarios that can creep out of that place. And you're speaking of weather, in the last couple of years, it's almost been hit with typhoons in Japan at various times during the, during the, uh, course of the meeting. So there's another variable there that could throw its, uh, ugly head into the ring, hat into the ring too, to, um, throw, you know, you know, the, all the setups, everything, it could be fine for three days. And then come Sunday, it could be flogging down the drain. So who knows? All right, Braxy, uh, speaking of ugly setups, I think you've probably got one in your head at the moment after a big night yeah. last night. I never have hangovers, mate. Just a bit Good. tired. <laughs> Good Go back to bed. Catch you next Monday. Thanks for your time as always, buddy. No worries, mate. Have a good lunch. Good See you, mate. Mark Brax Bye-bye. joining us here on The Grid. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. Massive night of Supercross racing on Saturday night. Saw round three of the Australian Supercross Championship head to Sleepy Hollow. And I tell you what, GMHBA Stadium in Geelong came alive. A man that was there watching all the action, Steve Munro, joins us. G'day, Steve. How are you? I'm very good, my friend. And uh, still coming off cloud nine from uh, Saturday night down in Geelong. Tell us what GMHBA Stadium looks like as a Supercross stadium. Well, mate, it's all Supercross fans uh, think. Um, any stadium looks better with Supercross tracks uh, built inside them. So uh, the, the, the saying that goes around the industry is uh, stadiums were built for Supercross. And uh, on Saturday night, that's certainly what happened down in Geelong. So uh, very, very happy Supercross fans down there. Because we saw about 12,000 people, by some estimates, uh, turn up down there. So that's a that's a really, really good crowd, uh, particularly for, I guess, what's a somewhat out of the way area for uh, for the event, but um, yeah, the stadium was absolutely perfect for the event. Um, and what helped things, I suppose, is that uh, that's about to be resurfaced, so uh, not too much to worry about um, as far as damage to the ground. But um, still, the organisers had to do the usual putting down of yeah. uh, all the uh, protective things so the ground didn't get too ripped up. But um, yeah, it was a perfect spot for uh, a great night of Supercross racing. There was some talk, it was a bit of disappointment that the track wasn't quite as large as it could have been given the size of that stadium, but um, as you can imagine, Tony, 
uh, its business, and uh, these guys can't necessarily afford to build uh, quite as big a track as they might have liked. Um, there's still not bucket loads of cash in the sport, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, 30 second lap times could have been a fraction bigger, but uh, nevertheless, everyone was very, very happy with the event that was held down there, which uh, certainly didn't hurt with a perfect uh, day of weather too, because as you know, that can bring any Supercross event quite unstuck as far as a, a visual um uh, uh, visual prospects. So, yeah. uh, no, great, perfect night, perfect night. Excellent. And there was plenty happening to keep the fans' attention during the evening. Yeah, there was, mate. Um, probably, uh, probably more than what we've seen in uh, most other uh, Supercross rounds. We had uh, trophy carts, which are like a, a yeah. small stadium truck. Um, now names like Matt Mingay, who you yeah. I'm sure you know, yeah. uh, Todd Kelly, Cameron Sinclair, ex uh, X Games gold medalist, uh, and Troy Bayless himself. The event was run by Troy Bayless Events. They all jumped in these uh, little trophy carts and they'd uh, made sure the track, part of the track, was conducive to some uh, laps in these trophy carts. And we saw some racing uh, in those, which was uh, very different and exciting. And they had a Legends and All Stars, kind of like a de- some demo laps um, from uh, names like Craig Dack, Glenn Bell, Troy Carroll, amongst others. Um, so that was great to see some of those guys get out on uh, some retro bikes as well and uh, do some interviews. And then we had four-wheel uh, quad bike and uh, two-wheel normal dirt bike FMX displays as well, which uh, was exciting for the fans in the breaks. As well as that, we had the YZ65 Cup that's obviously sponsored by uh, Yamaha. Uh, we saw some young kids out there, which uh, was absolutely a massive buzz for them. And as you know, the crowd gets right behind uh, the kids. So that was uh, awesome for them coming through the ranks. And the 85 Juniors, 250 Juniors. And then, of course, we have the uh, 250s in the SX2 and the 450s in the Premier SX1 class. So, yeah, big, big night of entertainment for sure. Gee whiz, that is a massive support class and main event. Before we get into the results, we also saw the Triple Crown format for the first time at the Geelong Round. Can you explain to our listeners how that works, Steve? Yeah, we did, mate. Um, and look, there's some conjecture from different people as to whether it's a good thing, but I can tell you now from a... Um from a viewer's perspective, from a fan's perspective, I think it's a great format. Uh, rather than just having your normal heats and then one final, one main of the night for each of the uh, categories, you basically have three finals. So you do have your, your heats to uh, get your gate picks for the night, um, but then you have three um, 12 laps for the SX1s and three 10 laps for the SX2. So the good thing with that format is if you have one bad race, that doesn't destroy your night. You've got two okay. other chances um, to, uh, to to post a good result, um, and that source made for some great racing, saw some fantastic racing, particularly um, in the SX2 class. Mm, uh, excellent stuff. So let's go through the SX2 results in. Yeah, so it was an absolutely stacked SX2 field, mate. Um, you saw plenty of riders not even make uh, the main events for the night, um, such was the size of the gates that were uh, trying to get through uh, qualifying and heat. So, again, great for the fans. Uh, the SX2, the overall, so obviously those three separate main event races, um, those um, points are pooled uh, to give you your overall winners. So Wilson Todd uh, came on out on top. Uh, in that with Jacob Hayes out of the US coming in second and Jay Wilson uh, coming in third. So uh, our uh, our number one plate holder from last season, Jackson Richardson, struggling a little bit, um, finding some better form than what he has in the previous two rounds, and he's uh, he came in in seventh. And in the pre- uh, so Jay, oh sorry, Jay, sorry Jay, Jay Wilson holds the points lead coming into into round four. So yeah, mm-hmm. and then we've got the SX SX one. Yeah, we have. Give us those results. 
Yeah, so look, not wanting to sound uh, too predictable, uh, but the uh, ongoing domination of Penrite Honda um, with uh, Justin Brayton and Brett Metcalf continued again. Sounds a bit like uh, last season when I was uh, spending some time with you as well, Tony. He uh, just... He pretty much gets the whole shot, means he's first into the first corner, um, he has really clean starts, and then pretty much he just spends the rest of the night checking out on the field. Now, he did have one race where everything didn't go his way, um, and he did sort of get buried in the pack a little bit in that first corner, but he still managed to make his way through for a second. So his night consists of a first, second, and a first, uh, and then Brett Metcalf, his teammate, uh, on a 450 as well, had a 2-1-2. So uh, those guys are uh, obviously quite a familiar uh, pair up the front there, and uh, on Saturday night it was no different. So Justin finished the night in first. Uh, Brett obviously took second with that finish. And Dan Ridden, um, a fantastic effort uh, coming in in third. Just a special shout-out, too, to a guy called Lawson Bopping. He has spent some time in the U.S. in years gone by racing, Australian guy. Um, he basically grabbed himself a couple of bog stock bikes mm. and went racing this weekend after a, a um, period of illness, uh, and he came in sixth on the night. So a massive effort Excellent. for him on stock stock bikes, self-funded, and uh, he got out there and did his thing. And, uh, yeah, fantastic showing against some uh, awesome talent. Good on, uh, good on him for doing that, and hopefully we might see him over in Adelaide next weekend, round four of the championship. Yeah, so we're off to Gilman Speedway for round four. Again, uh, another event being uh, run by Troy Bayless Events. So uh, looking forward to a fantastic event, much like we did on Saturday night. Uh, we'll see the trophy carts again. Um, something a bit different, being a speedway. Jason Crumpy's going to come out hey. and uh, on his speedway bike. So uh, that'll be, again, something really different um, but exciting for the fans. He'll also jump in one of the trophy carts. So, um, again, some, some good names jumping in those trophy carts. And then, uh, yeah, after two weekends off, we'll be back to the final round uh, in Sydney on the 9th and 10th of November at uh, Sydney's Olympic Park's Kiosk Bank Arena uh, for the AusX Open. So we'll see Chad Reed, Ryan Villapoto, Justin Barsha and Jason Anderson. Now, Justin Barsha actually did a Instagram post earlier in this week saying due to personal reasons, he's not going to be able to make it. Um, but uh, I think the organisers are uh, probably going to uh, have a bit more of a conversation and see if uh, they can't get him across the line still. So um, still going to be a massive event regardless. Right, well, fingers crossed. Just with the Speedway, uh, doing it inside of Speedway, do they, use yep. the, uh, do they use the Speedway as part of the track? Because that looks spectacular, the bank turns. Yeah, look, they pretty much use the infield. Yeah, okay. um, I, I guess the fear of damage to the track itself. What, yep. what can happen is despite building a, a, a Supercross track on top of um, a surface, you can find, and again, weather dependent, the ruts can get really deep in some of those corners. So you can actually find, if you've got plywood underneath on a stadium like we did on Saturday night, you'll, you will actually find the bikes finding their way down to the okay. plywood in some spots. Uh, if that was to happen on a speedway track, you'd uh, probably do some damage to yep. it that, uh, yeah, the owners probably wouldn't want to have to, uh, try and fix. So yeah, the bulk of the time, the track does sit just on the infield, but that would leave it nice and open, I guess, for Jason to do his, uh, his demonstration laps on his speedway bike. We'll get your report from, uh, Adelaide next week, mate. Thank Thanks for your time. Look forward to it. Talk to you then. Steve Munro joining us talking speed uh, supercross right here on the grid. That's word because you know we can't touch this. We can't touch this. Well, that wraps up another program of On The Grid. Thanks for joining us and thanks to Crowley Braxy and also Steve Munro for their reports 
We'll bring you updates right throughout the Gold Coast 600 right here on mypodcasthouse.com. Keep an eye on our Facebook page and the like, and uh, there'll be a podcast coming up on the Friday and Saturday, and also uh, through the Sunday as well, a post-600 uh, podcast also. Look forward to bringing you all that right here on mypodcasthouse.com. The program is on the grid.